I'm excited to preach to you today. I should be every week, uh, but there are particular moments that are just, I don't know, they kind of just stand out. They're more exciting than others. You don't plan it that way. You're not trying to be super spiritual, but it's just a special day for us to be here. And uh, it doesn't uh, take uh, some sort of crazy, you know, smoke billowing out and doves flying down for God to make a moment special, right? It's us. It's people. God cares about the people here and cares about you and your situation and what you're dealing with and your, your wants, your desires, your plans, your purposes, all of it. I want to say to you that God is leading us. I want you just to say it out loud so that your mind hears it from your mouth. God is leading us. Who feels from time to time that God and us, somehow our GPS is broken? Right? Ever feel like that sometimes? Because I'm like, okay, I know my word says you're leading me, but it doesn't feel like it right now. Who has said that to God? It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't look like it. But I want to confirm from the heart of the Lord that he is leading us every single day, but I'm going to break it down even more, every single step, but even more than that, and we preached on this a few weeks ago because he gave us the breath. The Bible says he breathed into us. It's his breath. Every single breath is being led by the Lord. And I can prove it very simply. Who has miracles they can testify of? Some of those miracles are, are miracles that are something that happened within thousands of a second, like a car accident that he helps you avoid. Isn't it incredible that God is leading us when we just think, oh, where's God? And you know, you might even be in the, in the wrong side of God for a season of your life, and thank God for his grace and his mercy. But in the hundreds of a thousands of a second, right, that's how quickly these calamities are happening. The Lord is there and has saved you, right? Amen. There's so much order and harmony to God's kingdom, his creation, our lives, and how it all meshes together. I'm going to say it again. There is so much more order and harmony to God's kingdom, his creation, our lives, and all how it meshes together. There is a rhythm to the madness. I want you to say that out loud. There is a rhythm to the madness. Who becomes aware many times of the madness? And who finds it hard to find the rhythm of God? We're not trying to get, you know, not trying to use new age words, but God, you know, science is not God. God created science, okay? Amen. Who wants to testify of that? It's not, I believe in science, I don't believe in God. That's ridiculous. God created science. So science can do whatever they want and come up with whatever theories they want. I don't really care. But what I can do is not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I won't, I'll throw out their conclusions, but many times they have stumbled upon truths that God established before time began. And some of the things that they're finding is that there is a rhythm. You know, we are circadian rhythm, right? Dawn's just been looking into this. You know, that's your, your sleep life cycle. And when your circadian rhythm gets off, you know, you feel off. You know, it's not new age. It's not weird. This is, this is the human body. God designed it. 
You know, the devil's a copycat, and, and, and he's just, science is the new, new age. You know, that's all it is. So they're just, right, they're just trying to create anything to do to take glory away from God. But let's not forget that we have a rhythm to our bodies, right? I mean, even just how easy is it just using the idea of rhythm when a song comes on to just kind of want to move with it. The natural inclination, when you're by yourself and no one's watching, right? Then you sing and then you dance. People are watching, we're so uptight. But your natural inclination is to move with the music, isn't it? When you're not uptight, it's just because there is a rhythm. There is, you know that there are just, there are, science is starting to tap into, there are sounds in the universe. There is a sound I, I told you guys this many times from the pulpit, but I'm going to tell you again. Maybe you forgot, or just want, I just want to remind you because I was encouraged. They mapped out, I'm pretty sure it was the coast of England, and it's the jagged cliffs, and it's all random, and it goes in and out, and, you know, looks just like this, you know, pretty wall of rock, but that's about it, right? So they took it, and they mapped it out perfectly. They put it into a computer program, and they assigned the ins and outs Musical notes, kind of like a wind chime that is very random but creates beautiful music. And all of a sudden, they put it and they turned it on and it created this most beautiful music they'd ever heard. And the randomness, the, the madness, the confusion, the struggle, the, the ins and outs, the ups and downs of life, it just seems like it doesn't mean anything. And what's the point? We get into these places with God and you're struggling with him and I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Or, or maybe you're in a good place and you suddenly go low and now you're in a back in a good place and you're like, I don't know what all that was about. But we get into these places sometimes with God and we need to know this, that to the naked eye, there is brokenness and hurt and disorder. And that's not how God sees things. That's how we see things, but God doesn't see it that way. And I want to say this, it's not that he doesn't see what you see, and it's not that he doesn't care, but it's not the perspective he looks from. When he sees a person, he sees people being changed, and he sees growing in the midst of it all. I began to write down a note within my notes, and I began to say this. Our situation, you know, just something off, you know, just, I'm just kind of pulling something out. I can feel it in my heart. So I began to write down, uh, many times, you know, what we're going through is leading us back to God. And I was like, that's not, you know what, that's not right. And I delete my text, and I wrote, most times, and I was like, you know what, that's actually, no, there's, uh, this is wrong. That's my head. I feel something from the Spirit of God, but that's, uh, the, I don't have the right words. And I wrote down all the time, and I felt the Holy Spirit had got, I got it. All the time. I want you to say it out loud. All the time. Whatever we're going through, every single time, God is calling us, I'm going to say it again, every single time, all the time, no matter what you're going through, it's not, it's supposed to be the highs and lows that looks random, it looks like madness sometimes, it looks like chaos, it looks like confusion, but every single situation, good, bad, or ugly, is actually designed, 
I'm going to say, I'm going to be serious here. Come on. We want to be scientific. We want to be scientific. There's no such thing as randomness. That's where they got it wrong. We are a designed creature that he put a spirit in. And thank God the creature dies and the spirit lives forever, right? With a new body, right? But this thing that we live in, this human body is perfect. We don't need this thing. You're not going to have blood, right? I mean, if you did, I don't know. It wasn't leaking out of Jesus, so he didn't have blood. Why would you need blood? Because you don't have a human body. A human body is only made for the earth. You're going to have a supernatural body. But this creature that he put your spirit in was designed so perfectly. There was a Christian scientist. This is kind of Doug's moment, right? Right where the Lord really got him. He remembers. He saw a book just randomly, randomly. A book was placed in the prisoner bookshelf, right? The return bookshelf. And there it was, a scientist who, when he got to the eye, am I correct? Once he got to the eye, he was an atheist, but he could not get past the eye. It was just too perfect. It was designed so well. It has to be a designer because I can't, we're, we copy it. The camera lens was actually designed after the eye. You realize that? You, know, you look through, now we have iPhones, but deep inside that little tiny camera, you know, you can get a picture of like, think of your grandparents, right? I had one. Think of your parents, kids, had these cameras, right, with lenses, right? Elijah still has the one I had uh, that we got maybe 15 years ago when this, those things were kind of dying out. And inside there is an eye, but it's only a copy. It's just a little simple mechanical device of this incredible supernatural device that God put in our brain. It was designed perfectly to see and to perceive. And what were we supposed to see and perceive? His grace, his mercy, his glory, the child being born, the mountains, the stars, and all of it, and point to him. Every single thing you go through, whether good, bad, or ugly, whether the hard times, the, the really hurtful times, or the great times, are meant for us to call upon him, to give him praise, to give him glory, and ultimately to have a deeper, tighter, more intimate relationship with him, growing, what does the Bible say? More and more into the image of Christ. But what happens is, as Christians, is, and I'm not judging you, I can only judge myself, nor is God judging us, but we are like yo-yos. We grow, and then we have a huge setback. And then we grow, and we have a huge setback. And again, I'm not judging anyone. I could, I'd have to judge myself first. But you, the thing is, this is what's incredible. You ready for this? And I preached a whole sermon series on it, and I'm not going there today. But there's no such thing as a setback. You know what happens? I said to the Lord something so special just between me and him, but I'm going to share it with you because I just felt like it just summed up the entire thing that we are as humans on the earth. And you look at Saul, who was king, and actually God said, I'll make you king for a thousand generations. And then he falls. He never repents. And then you look at David, who does really dark stuff. We would be put into the death penalty. Killed 20 guys for one issue. 20 people died. And he repents. And the Lord's like, I'm going to establish my son, my king. King Jesus came and still talking about David right into the New Testament. And I said to the Lord, you know, we get bad attitudes. We get, we get issues in our hearts. We're, you know, you, you get... I don't know, you get, just stuff goes in, in your heart. And I said to the Lord, 
I said, Lord, I cannot promise you that I won't make mistakes, but I can promise you that I'll repent as soon as I realize that I have. And it was, it's just the heart of God. Because <laughs> this is the incredibleness of God. You ready? It takes the hurt and the setback and the struggle and the frustration to get you to realize that you need to repent. And the problem is we start patting everybody on the back. It's okay. Don't worry. God loves you. I'm not saying he doesn't. Of course he does. But that moment was actually designed by God just like your eye was designed. And you think God would let me go through this? He would make me feel these ways to get this type of, like, where's this anger coming from? Where's this frustration coming from? I didn't even know. I had this fear, this doubt in me. And the Lord's like, I allowed the situation because I wanted you to see it so that you would give it to me and I would replace it with my life inside you. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Isn't God amazing? God finished his work. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's the finished work of Christ, and yet we're walking out a finishing work. Jesus finished it. All I need to do is trust in him, give my life to him, and he will keep finishing me because he already finished it before I was even born. Wow. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary. I want you to read this out loud with me. Jesus, I come to you. Let's just read this out loud. Jesus, we come to you. It says, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Do you know you were designed by God just like your eye was designed, just like he allows situations to, to get you to grow you were designed to live in rest. You were not designed to be, ready, restless. The devil is the author of restlessness. Who feels restless at times? It's funny because restless, you would think your human mind says, wait, it should be less rest. I mean, I, wait, wait a second. I'm all spun around. The devil puts you into a place of restlessness. He gets your mind spinning, gets you calculating, gets you just wondering, etc. Restless. But our mind was actually designed by God to be at a place of rest. The Bible says, and we just actually, Jeannie just uh, read this on Tuesday. We had a little lesson about what yokes are. Take my yoke, not an egg yoke. This was the thing that connected the two oxen together, right? And they plowed the field together. We're not inside of a yoke. It's a different yoke. Take the connection. I want to connect with you. Put, I'm going to connect to you. And we're going to be one. And let me teach you. I'm going to carry you. 
I'm going to take your heavy burdens. I'm going to give you rest, and I'm going to walk with you. I'm humble. I'm gentle. And you're going to find rest for your souls. There is no other way. Some people, they, have, they found marijuana, right? Gives them rest. Some people, it's television. Gives them rest. Some people, it's a beach in the Bahamas. They are false. They are lies. They are tempt, even if marijuana, right? Because it's legal in New York now, so someone could come to church and smoke it, and it's not even against the law. Even if it gives you rest, it's temporary, doesn't it? What do you have to do tomorrow at 420? How do I know that time? I never smoked. I didn't, but how do we know all that time? Because everybody knows that you're going to need it again at 420. I was at a job on Friday, and this guy comes out, and he's just chatting. He's just smoking. It was like 1.10 in the afternoon, and he went back inside to work. And then my worker goes, ganja. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was. I didn't even notice. I'm not smoking a cigarette. It's 1 o'clock. I mean, just time, he just need an extra hit. Just need a little more relaxation. He's making some music inside. So it becomes an all-day false rest. You get what I'm trying to say here. The devil creates restlessness in you, and then he gives you a false peace. I'll bring my rest down. I just need to, I just need to just unload and put my feet up, take my work boots off, open my six-pack, put on the game. Right? That's 50% of the workforce Monday through Friday. Right? We're laughing because we know it's true. Just your classic, you know, con construction guy, but everybody. That's not the rest that he's talking about. There is a place that's deep within that is so deep that <laughs> when you have the revelation that you've been in a dark place and he gets you, you just drop to your knees and utter just, you just can't believe how good his grace and his mercy is and his love is. And you say, wow, it was all worth it. That was all worth it because I had this moment. That's what Paul says. You know, Paul said, I've been going through some really tough stuff, but I learned a secret. I learned that if I go through it, the presence of God actually shows up. And because of that, I've learned I don't run from it necessarily anymore. I'm using my own words because I would rather live in the presence of God than some false peace. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1, and I turn to Genesis so often as a preacher, but because it's, cause it's where God began. It's like his original design. This is, the, this is what it was supposed to be. So I go to Genesis a lot, and I refer to it. I don't usually preach for 45 minutes from Genesis, but I look at it a lot, and here we are again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wait, are you kidding me right now? You believe this? God created the heavens and the earth. God couldn't do that all in one night. Isn't it funny? They go, well, God did it in, they go, we still believe in God, but we believe in God and evolution. That helps God. Isn't it funny? Listen, if God made everything from nothing, is it easier or harder to make nothing into everything in less than a calculable microsecond? Or 10 trillion years. Just, I mean, what's easier? He made 
everything from nothing. So isn't it funny? And we just quibble and argue. This is that restlessness again. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is. It's this thing in your mind that thinks you know better than God. That's what restlessness is. And you're like, no, no, that's not it. I feel anxious. No, you're anxious because you're not trusting God. It's the same thing. It all goes back to the source. It's inspired by Satan. I'm not judging anything. I'm just saying that it's, that's not God. We're going to break through and we're going to break free. If you're dealing with it, God's going to break you free. That's the whole point of this thing that we do as believers, gathering together, coming and worshiping and, be, and bringing his word in. We're going to bring the breakthrough, but I don't want to lie and say that that's okay. The Bible says that God created it. We need to, I mean, verse one, let's just believe God. He we can go, you know, into the New Testament, right? It says, out of nothingness, he created everything that we see. So how hard is it for him to fix the situation you're dealing with? You ever just stop and think about the magnificence and greatness of God? Genesis 1.1. I mean, that's enough. That's the gospel right there. If he created it, then why aren't I trusting him? Well, anyway, verse, we don't want to get into that today. This is just, I could really keep going here. But verse 2, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, I'm not going to just, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I just want to say quickly, verse 2, there's a lot more going on here than we realize. But in verse 2, it says the earth was formless and empty. The Hebrew word is this word tohu, something like that. I know I'm not saying it right. We're saying it in English. But it's some form of tohu and um, probably a little bit of a back of the throat in there. In there. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, it means formlessness and confusion. Listen, confusion. Emptiness. Wow, I'm going to start to bring some adjectives for 2022, the world without Christ. Ready? I'm going to bring them to you. They're in Genesis 1, verse 2. Nothingness, just empty space, a wasteland, a wilderness, a place of chaos and vanity. Wow, there it is. God has encountered what we're dealing with in the earth before, and he's got the answer. The Bible says, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. If you're not encouraged right now, man, the Lord is speaking to our hearts, and, and maybe you're listening in the podcast, but the Lord is speaking to us today. He said, let there be light. Now, I'm not going to, like I said, I don't want to spend so much time here, but you have to realize something here. It says, and there was light. God said, let there be light, and it was, period. But this is what's incredible. It says, and God saw the light, verse 4, it was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. I want you to say it out loud. God separated light from darkness. All right, so there, what is the darkness? We just went through it. Darkness specifically is confusion. It's chaos. It's emptiness. It's a, it's a wasteland. It's, that, it's the restlessness. He separated that place from light. And the Bible says, we could go on and on and on, but right, Jesus is light. There's no need for the sun, right, because we have Christ in heaven. What does that mean? It means I can see, I understand everything. There's no confusion. There's no chaos. There's no wrestling, right? He said, I'll wipe away all your tears. I'll bring you rest. And the Bible says, though, an evening and morning came marking the first day. 
Sounds like the sun went down and the moon came up, right? Well, verse 14. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky. Is this a review? Not so fast. It's not a review. Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Verse 15, let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And this is what happened. And he made a larger light, verse 16, and a smaller one. So there's the sun, the moon. He made the stars. Verse 17, these are to uh, light the sky. Verse 18, they're to govern the day and the night. So, I mean, we have four verses, very detailed. This is the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he saw it was good. Verse 19, and evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. So what did God separate in Genesis 1-2? It was not nighttime from daytime. There is a spiritual darkness that was in the, in the earth before 2022. And God's answer was, I'm going to put my light into the darkness. It is, there is chaos, there is confusion, and I'm the answer. And I'm the only answer. It is not the sun in the sky. It's not the moon. That's why, again, I'll say it one more time. We don't need these things in heaven because we don't have any darkness, spiritual or physical. Wow. It says in Genesis chapter 2, so, verse 1, the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Everybody say, God completed the creation. My Bible says, verse 2, 4.6 billion years ago, on the seventh day, figure that one out, God finished his work of creation. So he, everybody say, God rested, God rests, even God needs to rest after he's worked. God rested from all his work. God must have been really tired making me. Like this one, this made me. I need to rest when I made this one. Man. Verse 3, And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. People don't realize the seriousness of this. God said the seventh day. We're talking the creator of nothing into everything, seen and unseen, said, I'm God, and even I'm going to make Sunday, the Saturday, whatever your Sabbath is, I'm going to make this day a day of rest. Even God. And the Bible says basically two things, two different words for rest. The one we are using here is the Hebrew word Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. And again, I'm not saying that right. That's the Hebrew word where we get the English word Sabbath from. All right, so God declared a Sabbath rest. But something interesting happens in verse 
15. Let's look at verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Now, in our English, we can just read this and say, Oh, yeah, God just took Adam and Eve and placed him in the garden. Easy peasy. What we're going to miss, not looking at the Hebrew, is this word placed there, somewhere in there, in this theme, is the Hebrew that has a deeper, even than Shabbat, which is the word nuach. And it's a type of rest that after you cease from your labors and your work, you get into a place of stillness, of completeness, of fullness, and even a beginning of the next phase, the, the next season, even a picture of heaven, right? The garden was supposed to be heaven on earth, right? Everybody's trying to bring some form. We talked about this again on Tuesday, too. I agree. Trying to bring some form of heaven, some sort of like false heaven down to earth and heaven now and all that stuff that we were just talking about on Tuesday. And, the, and, and, and I understand the idea that we're walking in abundance and fullness and glory of God and all those things, but we could get into a place of, of like almost like vacation and not rest. The rest means that you're in the middle of World War III and you still trust God. You're on vacation and you still trust God. Amen. Okay, so that's the place that God brought them into was New Walk, which means to dwell and to settle. And it was, a, it was the next level of rest. This word in Hebrew means, yes, it means to just to be placed and to, to be set. But it also means to cease, to lay down, to remain. Come on, these are some words we use a lot in New Testament Christian theology, right? To remain, to just stay. Everybody say stay. Everybody say just sit down with God. <laughs> but I don't have time. Come on. What I'm really going to get to with this next 15 minutes, you know, the final 15 minutes of this sermon, is I'm not talking about a Sunday, and I'm not really even talking about you getting up in the morning and giving him 5, 10, 15 minutes or 2 hours. We must have a heart that is rested in God so that when we do come into the Sabbath, we're already in Nuach. We need to live in a place of Nuach that comes into the Sabbath, comes into those places of like a time, a time of rest, um, uh, uh, um, mornings, evenings, Sunday mornings, whatever it is, but you are living in a place of Nuach. You're coming into your Sabbaths moments, but living in a place of settled there's a place in God that he's calling us to. Now, Genesis 3, we know the story, right? Genesis 3, serpent comes in, tricks him. What happens? He says, since you did this, we don't have to look at it in the scriptures. I'll just tell you quickly. He says, the ground is cursed. Uh, you're going to struggle to scratch all your life. I love how the NLT says this. Because, man, if this is not a picture of the restlessness, all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. You are not meant to live in a way that you are trying to scratch the ground for your sustenance. What did God prove them? I'll take you into the driest place on earth, and I'll feed you with bread and meat. Come on. I'll bring water from the rock. You think I need you to scratch that ground? What I'm going to teach you is 
The ground is cursed. There was a curse. Sin brings a curse. You disobey God, it brings a curse. But I'm going to teach you something. If you will trust me, I can bring your sustenance from nothing, just like I did. Go ahead and read Genesis 1-1 the first time. Wow. And he said, by the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground. Now, listen, I sweat a lot at work. I'm not saying I don't go to work, and I'm not saying I don't sweat. What God is trying to tell us is that when you go to work and when you sweat, don't think that's you. Don't think you did that. Don't think that customer is giving you favor because of you. Yes, you can be kind and you can be pleasant with them, but why do you think they even called you to, in the first place? Maybe I, up here in heaven, God, directed them to call your number. Maybe I gave your boss favor to hire you. And what we realize is, is that even going through ups and downs and struggles, you can scratch the earth, but you can say to God, I'm, I'm going through these motions, but I know that this is not my rest. If I can get this ground to produce, I'm not going to stop and think, this is it, I've arrived. I rely on you. I need to get into a place with you, God, that it doesn't matter what I have, what I don't have, whether I'm up high or whether I'm real low. I just keep calling on you, and I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to get frustrated. Come on, look at all the times that they got frustrated with God, and they get frustrated with Moses, right? And you're, you're judging them. At the same time, don't forget, these guys are in a barren wilderness, right? They're out there in this dry ground. And yes, they were beaten by Egypt, but they also had everything they needed at their disposal. And now they have to rely on God, which is harder. You're like, no, that's not harder. I'm not being beaten. Well, it is because you're just like, wow, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. But we can get very, it can be very easy in 22, 2022 to get in the system of Egypt I'll just say it like that. You can use your imagination and click, click, click through the ease of life and not realize that trusting God is harder, but it's better. Amen. But come on, there's an answer. Everybody say there's an answer. Thank God he doesn't leave us in Genesis 3. Hebrews chapter 4 says, verse 1, God's promise of entering his rest still Stands. I want you to say that out loud. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Isn't that incredible? What rest is he talking about? He's not talking about vacation. I love vacation. But he's talking about the rest that he himself rested in. We don't have time because, you know, the clock is ticking much faster than I would like every week. I don't know how. I know it feels different from there, but you, I would just want you to stand here sometime and see, experience it. It is a weird, weird thing. I'm like in a different time. But anyway, you could read in your own time, Hebrews chapter 4. I want to free us. I don't want to burden us. I want you to get this, that the Bible says, verse 2, this is the good news. God's prepared this rest. God prepared a rest for you. And then he goes on to say, you know, that those who didn't listen to him, they didn't receive it. And, and I, wanna, I don't want to get too deep into that because it go, talks about how, verse 3, only those who believe can enter his rest. I could spend some time in the disobedience and the disbelief. I'm not going to do that today. What I want you to take home today is this. There is action required on our part. We must choose to enter that rest. 
we must make the choice. Going from restlessness to rest is a God supernatural thing. You can't do it, and yet you have to let God do it. They didn't create the manna, but they had to believe God. Amen. They didn't uh, have to make the water from the rock, but they needed to put their faith towards, I mean, what, I mean, Moses took the rod and said, okay, whatever you say, God. God said, if I strike this rock, it's going to produce water. Let's see what happens. No, he heard from the Lord. He said, okay, God, I believe you. And something supernatural happened. Amen. I don't, I don't want to get into any deeper things there, but we, our belief, I don't want us to get into the depths of like, well, I'm struggling to believe. I don't believe. Help me believe. Just think this. That's what exactly what the Bible says. I just said it. He, the man said to Jesus, help me in my unbelief. You're in a place where you're struggling. You got doubts. You got fears. You got worries. You got anxiousness, and you feel like it's inhibiting you from believing. Just ask the Lord. If you go through chapter 4 all the way down to the end, Verse 11 tells us, do your best to enter that rest. But I love this. It actually ends the chapter telling us we have a high priest, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he entered heaven, and he's the one we believe in. It says, verse 15, he understands our weaknesses, and he faced all the same testings we did. Verse 16, yet he did not sin. So verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. We'll receive mercy and find grace. What is it saying? It's saying, enter the rest and do your best to get there, but don't think you're alone. Jesus is with you. He'll take you into that place. But we must choose to follow him. Amen. I read this. I thought this was really neat. This is just a nice way to sum this up. Sabbath is not a commandment we are bound to. It's a promise we're invited to enjoy. It's not a commandment we are bound to. It's a promise we're invited to enjoy. Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in God's presence. It is an act of regular and intentional trust of God's rule on earth. We Shabbat in order to Nuach. When we stop working, we can truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this purposeful pause, that's the Shabbat, right? We make room for God to take up residence, right? So we were in this place, we get the nuach, and then we walk out of the Shabbat with nuach. It says, we make room for God to take up residence in our individual lives and communities, and when we do this, we take part in the new creation story. See, this is the new, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We take Genesis, we learn from it, but that he's not bringing back old Genesis, that was his original design. He said, I'm going to make it better through the blood of Christ. I'm going to give you the tree of life for all eternity, right? So it says, we take part in the new creation story, setting the stage for God to make his dwelling once again in the earth. And I just want to close with this. Um, I heard from the Spirit of the Lord the Christmas song. Who knows it's Christmas in a couple weeks, right? Anybody know that? It's Christmas season. And I heard, and it's not one I think of often, and it's not one I, I sing often or listen to often, but the Lord, I just dropped right in my spirit, and based on what I was studying on and bringing to the ser- for a sermon today, God rest ye merry gentlemen. 
I'm just going to read just very quickly here. It says, God rest you merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Don't worry, I'll bring some interpretation, because I know this is 1600s text, so if you don't understand, I'll tell you in a moment. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. The second verse I want to read is, Fear not, then, said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a Savior of a pure virgin bright, to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Apparently, if you go back in the 1300s, there used to be a saying, I found this out, and they would say, rest ye merry. And it basically meant just like, you know, be at peace, kind of like Jews would say to each other, shalom, it's just, you know, hope you're doing okay, how's things, how's your day, you know, like we would talk, rest ye merry. So when they wrote the song, they said, God rest you. God rest you. God bring you rest. So this Christmas carol, they used this phrase and they gave the glory to God. And it basically means, may God give you peace or may God keep you even better. May he keep you in harmony and in happiness. And the better translation is that uh, it's not merely that he gives you rest, but he keeps us in a state of rest. Let nothing you dismay. Dismay basically means fear, but it can mean disappointment and especially sudden disappointment. Wow, we all go through that, don't we? And the song said, don't be afraid. Don't let anything disappoint you. And in big capital letters I wrote in my notes, because remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. So if something's happening in your life, something is uh, going on, just remember that Jesus was born. What is the answer? You're going through something. He's the answer. It's so simple, isn't it? To save us from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Whether we like to think about it or not, when you were born, you were born under Satan's power. That is not God's design. You were, not, that you were born into a system and in a world that your inclinations are to sin. You don't need to teach a child to say mine. Their first word is not mommy, it's not daddy, it's mine. You don't need to teach selfishness to a child, but the child can witness from a parent or a friend or somebody, they'll witness kindness and compassion and love and tenderness. You know, a, a little baby like Brielle taking care of her little baby, it's because she's seen dad take care of her, so then she's doing it to the baby. She learned that. That was not her inclination. Her inclination was selfishness, candy. Give me what I need now, and I'm going to keep screaming until I get it. And the, and the song says, remember, Christ came to save us from Satan's power. On Christmas Day, let's remember in this season that that's what it's about. Those inclinations in you and the restlessness and the, 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 the world system that is constantly bombarding you, Jesus came to break you free from that grip. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. Wow. Well, amen. That was a pleasure to speak to you and on time.
Wow, I don't know how that happened. Thank you, Lord. But we're just going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are breaking free the grip of Satan, where he's trying to bring your people back into bondage of just stuff and the world and restless and struggling in our brains and our lives. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are still alive today, that when you were born into the earth, it was for a purpose that ended with the cross. And I thank you, Lord, that that power is still in this room right now to break us free from every burden, every weight. And we just come to you, Lord, like your verse says. We come to you weary. We come to you, Lord, with all our pride and achievements. And I thank you, Lord, that your word says you will give us a supernatural rest. Lord, we don't want false peace, and we don't want temporary rest. I want eternal rest in you. We just thank you, Jesus. You're going to do it supernaturally in our hearts today. Amen. Well, bless you.